0: Greetings and welcome to the latest episode of Si Yo Fuera Una Cancion, If I Were a Song. We are a community-based podcast and radio show in which people of Santa Ana, California tell us in their own words about the music that means the most to them. I'm Elizabeth Leguin, your program host and director of this project. The project is based on my conviction that we people in the modern world need to learn to listen to one another and that music, and all it brings us, is the perfect place to begin. And
1: my name is David Castaneda, music researcher here for the Si U Una Cancion podcast. I'm so happy to be a part of this project, using my scholarly training and my performance experience to bring you the stories, music, and lived experiences of those living right here in Santa Ana.
0: Today's interview is with Brian Peterson. Unusually for an interviewee on this show, Brian has ample experience of being in front of cameras and microphones, He'll tell us about the inspirational project he started in Santa Ana some years ago, which has received well-deserved media attention for the unique way it brings art-making together with social action. A note before we begin. Due to copyright restrictions on the extremely well-known music that Brian chose, we can't even quote the songs for you in the interview. But we've made some lemonade out of those lemons. We've created placeholder tracks of our own that we hope convey some of the feeling of Brian's songs. And of course, the songs themselves aren't difficult to find. We've included them on our Spotify playlist. If I were a song, I recorded this interview with Brian in April, 2021. Welcome. I, I am so excited about this interview. I, and I just want to start by saying that, uh, I mean, I, I literally found you on the internet. I was poking around looking for, um, internet photographs of murals in Santana because Santana is a city of many murals and I came across some that I found particularly striking and the more I read about them the more uh, more it grabbed my attention and that led me to your website and with that little introduction uh Brian if you would just introduce yourself to our listeners uh, your name a few a few facts about yourself and and if you wouldn't mind just telling us very briefly about your organization.
2: Yeah, my, my name is Brian Peterson. I actually talk to a lot of people nowadays that say they found me on the internet somewhere. <laughs> so it's pretty interesting. I've lived in Santa Ana for, oh, maybe seven years or so or six years, and I have an organization called Faces of Santa Ana, and I paint portraits of my neighbors experiencing homelessness. I then sell these large-scale oil paintings and use the money to sort of give back to them, help them pursue their dreams, wishes, or rehabilitation of many different sorts. Um, Along the way, I've also started doing wall murals about maybe three or four years ago, and since the first one, it's kind of been like an explosion where I've been fortunate enough to put up lots of murals in my own city, which is probably how you found me. And I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you.
0: Ah, thank you. Thank you. So it sounds like you and I actually moved to Santana around the same time. I, I came here in 2013. I would be interested if you could tell us a little bit about why Santana? What, what brought you here in the first place?
2: Yeah, actually, I actually have a funny story moving here. So I was I moved out to California from Michigan. At the time, I was a car designer working in Michigan, and I got a job out here to work for Kia Motors. So I was living in Irvine. I was coming up on the end of a lease, and I was looking for somewhere to move that maybe had a little bit more culture, a little bit more risk, a little bit more grit. <laughs> and I was actually trying to move to Long Beach, like with everything inside of me. And every door in Long Beach kept closing. And so me and my wife said, all right, let's just go check out Santa Ana. And we came down here, we'd been down here for like the, um, the art walk every now and then. And so we're like, let's check that city out. And we found a place that just met our every need. Our, it was within our budget. And I think fate has brought me here. I honestly feel like, you know, the minute I sort of landed here, and became a resident, my art started to come out of me because I wasn't a painter before. I hadn't painted since first year of college. So in a <laughs> lot of ways, I'm grateful for the city because it brought art back out of me.
0: Wow. How interesting that a, that a place, just by being the place that it is, and of course, having the people in it that it has, can, can do something that profound. Uh, wow, that is really cool. So we are, of course, in our in, on our website, in in our social media apparatus for this podcast. We're going to link to your organization. And I also want to link to the really beautiful little documentary video that is available uh, about your work and your organization. It's, it's just – it's a lovely – it's about, what, 13, 14 minutes long. It's a lovely little testament uh, to – to what it is you're up to here, which is unique and really beautiful and just on every level. And such such an enrichment to this already rich place in which we live.
1: The documentary video is called Faces of Santa Ana, and you can find it on YouTube. It's about 13 minutes long.
0: I actually kind of wanted to start uh, uh, with spinning off a little bit from that video before we go to your songs and we talk about them, Uh, just because you said several things in there that really grabbed my attention. Uh, You're you're a very eloquent guy. And uh, you say something early on in that video about how the, the homeless folks that you've been making friends with and working with for these years, that about how they look and you say, and this is a rough quote, everything that's happened in their life radiates onto their face and their body. And I, I think also this has something to do with the expressiveness of, of your portraits. So I'm interested in how this kind of intense visual engagement that, that you, that you reference there, how might that transform into listening? Two people, as well as seeing them. Wow. Well,
2: yeah. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> that's probably one of the coolest questions I've ever been asked. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that quote from the um, from the documentary. It's just something that I felt in like in the moment as they were talking to me, much like this. We all we all try our best to to stay out of the realm of failure, and it's just like somehow it just feels like the things that they've failed in in life, like you can see it on them. Like you can see the fact that there's no ability to shower. You can see the fact that there's no ability to, um, maybe clean up or do or, or, or have a fresh pair of clothes or whatever it may be. Right. And so it's like all the things that I think me and you have where we can like sort of polish ourselves up if we're having a bad day. (laughs) Um, they don't have those affordabilities. Right. So in terms of listening, I think it's, it's actually quite similar. Um, Hearing people's stories is really important. One of the other things that I've noticed too is when, with my friends on the streets, sometimes they're actual physical voices are voices of somebody that lives in extreme conditions. Mm. One man in particular, he used to be a singer, and he's like but ever since I've been homeless, like my voice has changed. And so it could be just the the living under the stars and what that means to for you like staying hydrated and all the things that we take for granted, but he like lost his ability to sing since he'd been homeless. So there's even like that that audible sound of experiencing homelessness that's actually interesting to think about. So I think it's between those two things, the stories and then also their physical voices. And um, I think there's a lot to unpack there.
0: Boy. Yeah. I mean, I I had been thinking along the lines of the stories, of course, Uh, but but you're right. There's the actual, just the vocal quality and what those extreme conditions can do to us very rapidly, I think. You know, you, you make a strong point in the video and you, and just now that those of us who are housed, you know, it's very easy to take it for granted. And honestly, in terms of human rights, we ought all to be able to take it for granted, right? It is a human right to have housing. And we are in violation of the rights of our fellow Santaneros, our our fellow citizens who, who don't have that. And so yeah, just have have how that shows up sonically, it's like a a chasm or a gap that I have not figured out how to cross as as you have figured out in this very clever and beautiful way how to cross using your painting into a state of communication and solidarity with people who don't have homes. Just establishing contact, establishing dialogue with people who are living under such different conditions. um, It's fundamental, and I, I, I just want to say again how much I admire the way you've managed to do that.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: So I asked you to choose two songs, one, the first that we'll talk about, representing in some way where you come from. And I always say about that that this can mean a lot of different things to different people. It does not have to mean where you come from geographically. Uh, I'd actually like you to introduce the song to us. And then uh, before we listen to it, just tell us a couple words about why you chose this song.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> um, the song that I, this song specifically as to like where I'm from is the song, um, we are the world. And I think it was like a Quincy, a Quincy Jones production. And it has like, I don't know, like 30 different artists in it. But um I think it's the, the actual name of the song is called USA for Africa. I believe it was a charity song for Africa, which I love. And there's just something about this song that connects me with humanity in a way that's really difficult for me to describe in words. So this is going to be a very interesting podcast. <laughs> but um, that's how I would like to introduce the song.
0: <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's that live edge between the experience of music, which is profound for everybody, I think. and the act of putting it into words, that's where we live. Uh, that's what this whole podcast is about. So, um, yeah, it is difficult. It's always difficult. And that's what makes it interesting. my goodness um do you have a favorite moment in that song
2: i think in the beginning um i don't even remember who it is but they say life life is the greatest gift of all it's like in the very beginning of the song and it's just like for me it just like lights my heart on fire to just remember to be grateful that that we are alive and that we can be part of something bigger than ourselves and so i don't know that song just gets me fired up i'm in my studio just looking at my paintings on the wall of my neighbors and like with that soundtrack on is really powerful.
0: Yeah, it is. It is powerful. And, you know, you you said being part of something larger than ourselves. I mean, I think the part I like the best are the, the chorus parts. I mean, it's amazing how all these different artists and they're so different from each other. But when they're all singing together as a chorus, that is the most amazing sounding chorus. Right.
2: If, if you just think like when I think about it, I'm like, these are like these are like the giants of their respective genres, right? So these are people that were leading whatever genre they were singing in, whether it was like pop or country, and, and for them to like put aside their egos and be a part of a song that is like a collective experience, I just, I give all the kudos in the world to Quincy Jones for like organizing that because I think there was, there's way more to this song than we probably realize. In order for us to be able to actually be able to talk about it today, I think there's a, probably a lot of things that happened in the back studio room that we'll never oh, know yeah. about. You know?
0: Oh yeah. There's a video, a kind of kind of behind the scenes video. I haven't watched it yet. It's it's um, an hour long, and some of it's in Japanese, but <laughs> but it's about that very thing. Like how was this put together? You know, it was really quite quite something. Um, but the result, you know, it really does like just manifest what it's talking about is this like overcoming individualism and, and maybe some of the selfishness that comes with that, you know, and, and becoming a whole that's greater than the, the sum of its parts. So I, I'm guessing you might have chosen this really, you know, this iconic thing also in part because it, it does represent this like coming together of art and social action. And, and in the largest possible way. I mean, they generated, I forget how many millions of dollars were made in the sales of just this one single. And it w- it really did go to Africa and it really did help some people there. And that's pretty extraordinary.
2: Yeah, it's like, it, it's, it was like one, probably one of the most like creative fundraisers ever, you know, and um and, and and it was, it's, like you said, it was extremely creative in how they even came up with the idea to do that.
1: Okay, this is David here. So, Elizabeth, what do you think about We Are The World? This was such a creative project to bring these 45-some-odd megastars together to raise all this money for Ethiopia. What do you think about it?
0: Oh, man. I mean, I think so many things about it. And, and a lot of people have thought a lot of things about it. Uh, as you mentioned earlier when we were chatting about this song, it, it's already more than 30 years old. It's older than most of the people on our production team. Um, (laughs) But I think I want to really bring up something that actually is just, it's in the title of the song, and it's something that I've been chewing over a lot in my own mind. So the the informal title of this song is We Are the World. I think it was Harry Belafonte's idea, and then Quincy Jones, right. Michael Jan- Jackson. Uh, Lionel Richie. And Lionel Richie, right. Uh, you know, they all collaborated on, on creating it and putting it together. I think that it's received a certain amount of blowback or criticism for that title. I mean, these are people who had... Easy access to microphones and to an international audience of millions, and yeah, it's easy for them to say we are the world, but that this was maybe kind of a, a way of erasing the actual voices of the people that the song was meant to benefit. And I, I don't, I, I've been kind of agonizing over this, and so. I, I would really like to know your thoughts about it.
1: Um, I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, for better or for worse, it's, it's pop music, right? And by that, I mean the fact that these people had the ability to touch so many people internationally, the fact that they were superstars, is what allowed them to raise this much money. That being said, you know, American pop music hasn't necessarily been known for uh, extremely critical poetry or lyricism. It's not meant to... Uh, to be that profound, that's not to say that there aren't and there isn't a lot of American, uh, North American pop music that has spectacular lyricism, that's not what I'm saying. They came together to to raise money to help people in Ethiopia, but it, it, the project has been so successful the money has gone to many other different places and people. So that was their goal and they accomplished it and it's still making money every year. So. I think that for what it was set out to do and for what they intended it to do, it is a success. Um, Does it perhaps use language that we wouldn't agree with today? Sure, but so does a lot of stuff. Uh, We have to remember that it's pop music and pop music for a reason. Um, And a lot of these artists, you know, perhaps weren't thinking the way that we think today, which is fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good point. I I I I feel like like my academic underwear is showing. <laughs> I you know I I've, I've got to find like um, political meanings in everything that is said and and yeah the simple fact you know this was. Well, pop music, popular music, it was tremendously popular. 20 million people bought this single. And a good deal of money was raised. And yeah, I'd forgotten about the, the fact that the song is still raising money. Um, so yeah, good, good catch. Uh, I, there doesn't have to be a political analysis behind every single song title.
2: As I was listening now with you here, I'm like, man, like our... Our world is like hungry for a song like this now. Like there needs, like I, th- I think, with all we've experienced these la- this last year, including a pandemic and things centered around race and politics, and it's like, I think I think the world is ripe for a new version of this song, you know. And it, whether it raises money or not, I think it'll it'll raise the hope in people's hearts, which is greater than any money we can ever raise, but. I think the world is hungry for something similar to this.
0: Yeah. What an interesting idea. I mean, what, what would that song be like, you know, just trying to, to do the thought experiment? What would, that, what, what would that song sound like? And who would write it?
2: Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, would, um, I, would, I would imagine it would have to be collective, like, like this one, right? You know, and I listened to We Are The World. You know, I didn't grow up with everybody in that song as a household name within my house. You know, I grew up with the Michael Jacksons and my mother was playing Stevie Wonder. and But I think like Bruce Springsteen and other people in that song, like I'd actually like never heard. And so that song introduced me to areas outside of my own culture and still does today when I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, like these are other sounds from other people. I would imagine that if there was a song that would exist now in this same way, that it should include other languages and other dialects mm. from people. Like you're listening and you don't even know what they're saying because it's not your language, but you feel the heart behind it, right? And you feel the the connection to humanity through it. And so yeah. I would probably start there by putting together a bunch of people that aren't even from the same continent and seeing what comes out of that.
0: Right, right. That's a very cool idea. Yeah, you know, the, the way music generates hope. Through rhythm, you know, because it just keeps us moving, keeps us moving. It's really interesting that we're talking along these lines, you know, that, that, that we need a song like this today. I think we would also probably all agree that it, it would be a different song and, you know, maybe along the lines that, that you just laid out. And that, that takes me back to something that you, um, you said in the documentary video that I referred to at the beginning of the interview, you know, about you're not here to fix people, you're here to love them. And I think this is a really interesting area. I, I don't I don't know how to put it exactly, but like the interface, let's say, between love and feeling love for your fellow humans and loving work being done in the world that is of use to your fellow humans. And how does that interface work? And how do we how do we make that translation between, you know, a feeling that's just inside of us? To, to doing work in the world. Yeah,
2: I think it's, it's so interesting. I I don't know if you can, like, I don't think you can, like, read in a book how to love someone, right? Like, that's not, that's not like an educational thing, right? And so I had to discover this the hard way, obviously, where in the beginning of Faces of Santa Ana, I realized that I was trying to fix people. And when they wouldn't get fixed or they wouldn't go to rehab or they wouldn't go into a shelter or they wouldn't seek employment or whatever the situation would be, I would find myself like extremely disappointed and wanting to separate from them. Mm
0: -hmm. And so I had to
2: check my own heart and say, okay, well, if this if this person doesn't want to change to meet my individual expectations, will I still be around? Will I still be a friend? And when I realized that my answer was no, I had to make a change, right? <laughs> which is probably going to lead into our next song. But that's what happened to me. Like I had to change me and um, I had I just through experience, I had to learn to love. You know, I, I've read about it in books. I've heard about it in movies. I've seen it on TV. But until you're forced to actually live it out, um, I'm not sure you can grab a hold of what it actually means
0: yeah and it sounds like your best teachers were the the people living on the streets that you were making friends with absolutely
2: um, absolutely it was they've i failed my way into still learning i still fail all the time i tell people this every chance i get but it was my failures that that have me here talking to you today and so I actually love moments where I fail and I get to correct whatever's inside my own heart.
0: Yeah, thank goodness we get that chance. My goodness. As you suggested, why don't we why don't we move to your second song? This is the one where I had asked you to choose a song that in some way represents your hopes for the future. So tell us just a thing or two about this song, what it is, of course, and how it came into your life. And, uh, and then we'll listen to it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I don't remember when it came into my life. I just remember singing it as a kid. <laughs> so somewhere there in my child years. But this song is um, Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. And I'm actually, I'm going to preface it by saying, like, I'm a man of, like, extreme faith. And so I like listening to worship music, and I like going to church, and I, I use the Bible as, like, a means for me to sort of figure out how to navigate my, my place in the world. But Mm. I, I, and I get made fun of for this all the time, Elizabeth. I tell people all the time, I'm like, man in the mirror for me (laughs) is the greatest worship song ever written. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, listen to the words like it. It's talking about change in the world happening within the individual heart of the people. And that's what I've seen in my own life. We just talked about it. Like me changing my heart is changing my city and changing relationships that I have in my city and changing the look of my city. There's now murals that you've seen because I changed my heart. And so when I listen to this song, I'm just like, yes. like It's like an encouragement to me of like, what else is in my heart? What else is hidden in the deep vessels of my heart that got to go? Like, what are the negative things that I'm still carrying? Mm. And Mm. it's like this introspective, like, are you willing to look at yourself and make a change? Or will you just complain about the world until you die? (laughs) And so (laughs) that's why I like this song so much. It's like motivation for me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, you know, I had not thought of this as a worship song, but I, I hear what you're saying, and and I, we're going to listen to it in just a second, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna think of it in that way. I, I, I myself have a Buddhist practice, and it's really interesting where the sense of worship can crop up in music listening. Right? It doesn't have to be something that's like in a genre category of being worship music for it to really bring up that feeling of of you know that that hallelujah feeling shall we say absolutely totally <laughs> yeah so i'm going to listen to it with with that in mind
2: that just make you want to run out into the world and make that change?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wanted to start uh, by naming something that I find really striking about this song. It happens right at the beginning and then kind of toward the end again, you hear it when he's kind of setting up what the song's about, and there's just so much struggle in his voice. I mean, he just, you can hear him actually like gasping and and kind of forming his words. And you can hear there's a like a tremor in his voice when he actually sings things. And it's just like, I feel like he's really, really foregrounding this sense of struggle. And I know that that's actually just kind of part of the style that he sings in, <laughs> but because I'm coming from this outsider place I hear that and I hear that is like really a part of the meaning that this the song brings and I mean we know that Michael Jackson he did struggle he struggled so much and there's some ways in which I think he's you know he was not successful in his struggle he died much sooner than he should have and I don't think he had a particularly happy life yeah make a change but it's not easy and for some of its us, it's even harder, you know. I would like to invite you to talk a little bit about about the struggle and how that forms part of your experience, your project, and and maybe also your experience of this song.
2: Yeah. Are you speaking, um, would you like me to elaborate specifically on um, Michael Jackson's struggles or just in general, the struggle?
0: I I was thinking more in general. I mean, uh, Michael Jackson's struggles have been dissected publicly, Far more than is necessary. The poor man doesn't really need more of that, but um, it, he is an icon, I think, of of struggle and of a, a great artist who struggled really painfully. And, and you can hear it in this song. That's that's what made me bring it up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think um, I, I love that 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 you picked up on that in the beginning of the song, and I feel like for anybody including myself change is really hard and the interesting thing is that change is also like pretty much the only thing that's guaranteed in life is change right like we're gonna change the way we look we're gonna get gray and old and change jobs and change family and like so change although it's the thing we try to reject the most is like actually like the one thing that's guaranteed. And so I've been talking to you for the last 40 minutes here about how much I love those moments when like, I know I'm due for an upgrade in my own heart, right? Because something was highlighted to me through one of my friends experiencing homelessness or any other scenario. And I try to carry a mindset now where a struggle or a difficult scenario or a moment where let's just say I, I should change is actually an opportunity for what I'd like to call like an upgrade, right? But it's never easy. It always hurts. It can cause you to lose sleep, right? It could stress you out. But these are the only moments where we, I believe we truly grow. It's like if I was in a gym and I'm working out, I have to like tear my muscles and cause pain in order to see progress.
0: Okay, man in the mirror. Um... This song, man, it is such a terrific piece of music. And in in doing my research about it, I obviously, you know, I listen to it a lot of times, and I, I got to say, it doesn't get old. Um, it's it it achieves that kind of head of steam of being inspirational and motivational, and musically motivational. Mm-hmm. Just just the the way it's set up. One thing I. That I learned in in researching it is is that uh, Jackson actually he's got a, a whole gospel choir in there mm-hmm. singing in the song, yep. and so you know that that inspirational motivational thing that's got some some real sonic roots in a a sonic pra- practice that is directly linked to worship practices. So so Brian comments on this and says this is the best worship song ever and he's not wrong. It, it, it really is. It's right there on that edge between being what you called earlier is just popular music. Well, yeah, it is. But it's also actually doing some of what worship does. It's such an interesting combo. And it's so interesting that this song made number one.
1: I think what I appreciate most is Brian's connection to it, right? And that's, that's one of the things I think uh, as a researcher myself that I've always tried to appreciate is that people can create connections with music that are super, super, super meaningful. So for him, it's one of the best worship songs in the world. And I think anything that can impact someone that deeply is to be respected and appreciated in and of itself, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's
0: fundamental to this podcast.
2: And so I think the change that he's talking about in the song is supposed to be painful for us when we look in the mirror and confront ourselves.
0: Ah, yeah. Well, that... Yeah, that sure fits with what I was hearing. It's just this sense. It's almost like he's like trying to give birth to something at the beginning of the song. He's just ah, he's struggling so much. And this is a kind of a a larger question and I I think it it refers to this song. I think we're in agreement that change has to happen in the heart for other changes to really mm, Take root and, and be effective, shall we say? But is is changing ourselves in that way, you know, heart outwards, is is that ever really going to be enough? Enough for what? <sighs> enough to make the world a better place.
2: Yeah, um, you know, I so so I've looked at the last couple years of my life, and it feels like because I've taking a deep look inward to just adjust and when I say change it doesn't even have to be like I need to change the way I do something it could even be I need to change the way I talk to myself Mm -hmm. I you know what I mean and so I feel like because I've done some inner work my city is a little bit of a better place like I don't think me doing that me doing this thing is going to change the whole world but I feel like I feel like if people would would go on this journey, you could change the world around you, you know? And we all have a sphere of influence, some big or some small. Most people, a couple people, like 10 to 20 people. And what would it look like for you to change that world? Right, because you can do that, right? And so will that end up in world peace? I don't know, but I feel like that could end up with wow, I'm so glad I met that person. Like, like, you can influence people's lives who then go on to influence others. And so I don't, I don't think our goal should ever be to change the world. I think yeah. our goal should always be to do the inner work and influence the people around us in our, in our sphere of influence. And whatever happens with that is what happens, you know?
0: Wow, words of wisdom. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I get myself all tied in knots because I feel like I somehow have this responsibility to actually change the world. And that's kind of absurd and maybe a little bit arrogant. <laughs> but boy, do I get tied in knots around it. You know, and it, it takes me back, at, you know, thinking of the other song of, of uh, We Are the World. Um, well, the title of the song kind of says it all. But there's that line, we're saving our own lives. And I'm not quite sure what that line means, and I know that they they got some blowback for that line because it was felt to be kind of like narcissistic or something, but it's not. I think they're talking about what you're talking about. It's like you gotta you gotta pick your battles, or you'll just be flailing around and not doing the world or yourself any good at all.
2: Yeah, you know, and I and- think in the in the um in Man in the Mirror, I felt like there was like a similar line that I could be wrong, but this is how I've always interpreted it, where he says, I'm a victim of a selfish kind of love,
0: mm. right? And,
2: um, you know, like, my, the, the purpose of me on this podcast saying, like, take a look inside and 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 change, right, is not mm. so that we could end up in a selfish kind of love where where the world is all about me now. Right. Um, Right. I think that's looking inward is like the first step to understanding how to connect outwardly. Right. And Mm -hmm. that line in the other song, I feel like the way I've always interpreted it, and I could be completely wrong, is that like, you know, like I don't feel like I've been placed here on planet earth to just save my own life. To make sure all my needs are met, and to forget that there's a larger world around me, where where there are other needs and there are other issues, and so if I can live a life that is outside of just my own interests, um, I think that's part of making the world or your sphere of influence a better place. You know, for me to go up to a co a coworker and ask them how their day is, or speak a word of encouragement. Is me not just looking out for my own life, but it's taking a general a, a genuine interest in another person's life. And so when I always heard that line, we're saving our own lives, I, I've always thought that that line always meant to me like don't just live a life unto yourself. Like make sure something relative to what you do is reaching other people and helping other people and loving other people. And yeah. that's kind of how yeah. I always interpreted it.
0: Yeah, and you know, you said a minute ago, you said you could be completely wrong. Well, you're not. I mean, songs are I know there's copyright and all that stuff, but songs belong to the people who listen to them and love them. And what we hear in our songs, it it's our truth through that song, right? So, um no, I think I think that's a this is a great note on which to on which to wind our interview up. Um I think you know, you're you're pointed directly with with eyes wide open. Open. You are pointed directly at, at at what Buddhists would call radical compassion. I think it's called other things, or maybe it's called that too in in the Christian tradition. Uh, and what better place to end an interview?
2: <laughs> yes, yes. This has been a joy. I I'm going to these songs on repeat probably for the rest of the day. <laughs> uh, please pray, please per-
0: apologize to your wife yeah. on my behalf.
2: <laughs> pray for my wife. She's going to be uh, so irritated by me by about 10 p.m.
0: <laughs> no, I I really, I am. Uh, yeah. What a blessing to be able to engage with you about, about this music and really talk about some of of its resonances in the world and, and to hear a little bit about the work that you're doing. I, I really, I thank you so much, Brian.
2: Thank you, Elizabeth. And I just hope and pray that this podcast becomes way larger than you can ever think or imagine, because this would be (laughs) such a great platform for both music and discussion and I can just see it tearing down walls. I can see it, I can see people coming into an understanding of other cultures or thought patterns um, just based on the way they talk about music that they love. And so I just hope that this thing keeps going onward and upward for you.
0: It shouldn't be a surprise to our listeners that homelessness is currently at crisis levels throughout Southern California. On our website, sillofuera.org, we've compiled a modest list of local, state, and privately funded resources that are attempting to help those of us who are facing life on the street. For those of us who currently have a roof over our heads, may Brian's project serve to remind us of the old proverb, There, but for the grace of God, go I. Would you like to know more? On our website at COFuera.org, you can find lyrics to the songs we discuss, our blog about the issues of history, culture, and politics that come up around every song, links for listeners who might want to pursue a theme further, and some very cool imagery. You'll also find playlists of all the songs from all the interviews to date, and our special staff curated playlist as well. We invite your comments or questions. Contact us at our website or participate in the Si Yo Fuera conversation on social media. We're out there on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And then there's just plain old word of mouth. If you like our show, do please tell your friends and your families to give it a listen. And do please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll bring you a new interview every two weeks on Friday mornings. Julia Alanis, Cynthia Marcel de la Torre, and Wesley McClintock are our sound engineers. Zoe Broussard and Laura Diaz hold down the marketing. David Castaneda is music researcher. Deaneira Garcia and Alex Dolvin make production possible. We are a not-for-profit venture, currently and gratefully funded by the John Paul Simon Guggenheim Foundation. For now, and until the next interview, keep listening to one another I'm Elizabeth Le Guin, and this is Si Yo Fuera Una Canción, If I Were a Song. Si yo fuera una canción, sonarían por las calles, las montañas y los valles, mi orgullo y mi pasión. ¿Quién soy yo de corazón? Soy una Soy una onda, una vibración que ronda por el universo vivo, y soy testigo a nuestra unidad más honda.